The following podcast is brought to you by the BICBP Radio Network. episode of the panel discussion your home for comic book talk every week right here on the BICBP radio network we're talking toys it's week three of toys it is almost Christmas time this is our I don't know well is this even an eve the eve of Christmas week episode Christmas Eve week I, I guess so <laughs> I guess we can we can call it that um yeah so we're here we're ready we gotta continue on with some more toys uh Kinda. 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 <laughs> yeah, not too shabby. Um what did I even pick today? I forgot. I uh I've been I'm really reaching like deep into knowledge, uh, as far as like these go, 'cause uh there's really a very limited line of toys that became comics. Yeah, it's not a ton. And there's some cool stuff we could have talked, like Power Rangers and Ninja Turtles and stuff, but like there's guests we want to have for those topics. Exactly. No, there's you got to have the right people on for it. Uh, but yeah, I'm ecstatic. I I did mine. I was doing some research at you know just trying to figure out some different stuff. I found a Wikipedia page that uh, linked to a bunch of ones that you know that are following really our Christmas theme, and I was like, ooh, Beyblade. Oh yeah, I saw those. I couldn't find a Beyblade comic book um, online. It, it's it's said that they existed, but the 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 site and all that stuff, I I could not find a Beyblade. Yeah, they're like the junky ones. You would probably have to like go find the mangas and stuff like that. And yeah, so yeah, really tough stuff. Um, there is some, but it, there's just not a lot. Like I, I said before, like the Hot Wheels and the the Mighty Max <clears throat> and, and stuff like that. And I loved the Mighty Max figures. I don't know. How many people remember it? But I had like a bunch. I had like the skull, and it opened up, and you had like the little guys that went inside of it. And there was like the gorilla. I think there was a spider, a snake. There was also a bunch. Like Mighty Max was really cool. It was very short lived. But I know like the sets, the play sets are like worth a lot now. Oh, I'm sure. Do you know what year that came? That stuff came out. Mighty Max was like late '80s, early '90s. Okay. There was like a volcano set. No, not Mighty Max Battery. (laughs) Yeah, it was like 90s, it looks like. I'm sure you've probably had some and not even realized it. I'm sure I did. I had... 92. 92, okay. I was a real young lad back then. Oh, man. Those aren't ringing a bell. No? No. They're pretty sweet. They, like, opened up, and they were, like, like micro machines, those kind of things, and, like, each set had, like, some characters in it, and they opened up into, like, di- different, like, worlds. Okay. I, all right. I kind of remember that there was a Power Rangers one that McDonald's had. Yeah, like, similar to that. Yep. Okay. So. And they were so cool. I had a ton of them. I, I didn't have all of them, but I was pretty darn close, but they were the coolest i like and my buddy i know had all of them there was like a volcano a triceratops i uh it's a really cool set but like the comic book i I just couldn't find much and it seems like there would be like some deep lore for these when you look at all the like all the figures and everything but there's just not you would think yeah you would think there were you think it'd go hand in hand um 
But, uh, yeah, let us get into our books, our selections, our, our toy picks. Uh, this one was another one from my, you know, our parents' generation, essentially. Uh, I ended up choosing Rom the Space Knight. And it's this cool little robot. It was like a one-off figure, I guess. It's kind of like Stretch Armstrong. Uh, he's The comic book started in 1979, but... Um, he was created, let's see, I'm trying to find his, they don't have his debut year as far as a toy, uh, but Rom was a toy co-created by Scott Dankman, Richard C. Levy, and Brian L. McCoy. It was sold to Parker Brothers and was the inspiration for the comic book series Rom Space Night. The toy was originally named COBOL, C-O-B-O-L, after the programming language, but was later changed to Rom after Rom Read Only Memory by Parker's Brothers executives. The toy set a precedent for the game publishing company, which set up, uh, which up until that time had only ever produced board games, and at this time was a new venture for the company, and given that electronic toys were still very new, a decision was made to produce the figure as cheaply as possible. As a result, the final product had very few points of articulation. Twin red LEDs served as ROM's eyes instead of the originally envisioned green, which were more expensive to produce. And uh, not too long after his debut as a toy, he... Uh, he appeared in the co uh, the corner box of the cover of Time Magazine's December 1979 issue. And, uh, yeah, it was eventually became a comic. Uh, so this is a, I mean, this is a cool little one. I just feel like, like robots are, are, I don't know, they're like the quintessential 60s, 70s, 80s toy. It certainly seems like. We, we did, uh, you know, like we did the, you did the Micronauts last week. Transformers. Tra we've done Transformers. Uh we were so focused. If you if you look at that time, like the TV, the toys, the movies, like I feel like in like the late eighties and like even that, like even early or late seventies, we were so focused on like space and the future. So like robots made sense. Let's like look at these aliens and these crazy robots because that's what everything was. Like Star Wars, yeah. Star Trek, Transformers, Doctor like, Who did, Doctor had some Who. elements of that. Uh, that's per those are I mean that's perfect examples of that. It's just it was like a big like future forward. Now I feel like we're just like whatever. <laughs> there's not as <laughs> we'll much make of like anything. a theme. No, th there's no like direct. It's just whatever. We're just gonna throw. Yeah, whatever we can find. It, it's actually I would say now it's nostalgia back to that, to the the early like you know, fifties, sixties, seventies like with remakes and like. The things that are becoming popular, I think that's more where we find like comic books, for example, and comic book movies. It's this nostalgia that's that's coming. Like that's where the inspiration's more coming from is the past. I uh, no, I mean that's a great, great example. Uh, who did you decide on uh, to cover today? I went a little different and a different kind of person, but um, I actually went with Dungeons and Dragons. It's not directly a toy line, um, but there's millions of minis. There's all of these books. Um, and it's definitely inspired a lot of gifts. I know last year I received just a bag full of Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> minis, um, for Christmas. And like this year, like I know my family's like mostly doing Warhammer cause they're expensive and not easy to get on your own. But like for me, I really think Dungeons and Dragons again was like something that the miniatures has become a more of a staple of the game as the future has gone by and we're yeah. more visual people but like those books and like everything that came from those i think um it's a little on the the outskirts of this topic but i just thought it was something like 
that was that w- was worth covering. It is a product that um, very had this such a rich lore in it that people were like, "Hey, let's make a comic book off this product that we're producing." And like, there are characters, there are. I think there's Funko Pops. There's video games and everything off of this that it's inspired and yeah, stretched. Dungeons and Dragons has a really, really cool, you know, back history to it, and yeah. it's something I definitely like to explore uh, someday. Uh, you know, just devote an entire episode to it. Yeah, uh, and and of course you do have your own show, Podcasters. Podcasters, uh, which you know we're we're trying to get everything get the train rolling. Oh uh, yeah, well, so and that's one of the things that kind of inspired me to do this episode is. Um, Myself and my co-producer for that show, Anthony Mullen, were doing some shopping, and like we just bought a whole new set of terrain for the show, and like we have the the miniatures being purchased as well, and it's just like we're going through in the links of like toys basically at this point for us terrain and and like these minis, and we're like, oh, these are so cool! Imagine what we could do. Well, it's like buying adult Legos, yeah. Um, at this point, which I still would buy Legos now, <laughs> but like it is, it's like buying adult Legos and the pieces for it. And just, like, we're pumped and, like, really putting in the money to produce this show. But, like, on the other on the other side of it, it was just the excitement of, like, oh, what can you get? And, like, uh, one of the cool things with D&D, too, is it's always had those blind boxes as well. Like, like Hero Clicks or, you know, um, or even, like, a set of cards where you would buy, like, a booster pack. And, like, what minis can I get in here? I could get, like, a... The, the best I could get is one of these giants, and then there's these crud, like, bulk rares I can get. But that's that was exciting, too, like, open up these boxes, not knowing what you can get and, and all that. And it's a, it's a cool game. It's come a long way. It's on its fifth edition right now, which yeah. is constantly being tweaked and changing. But um, it's blowing up as a product right now, too. Like, it's just there's so many streams. There's, like popular actors involved with Dungeons and Dragons right now. Yeah, I know. I uh Aunt Mo- Anthony Mall was was telling me about a uh Oh, it was Vin Diesel, I think. Vin runs Diesel games. um plays. He was actually on Critical Role, which is one of the inspirations for podcasters. Joe Maganello, who is Deathstroke. Yeah. Um and has played characters in, in many other movies. Um Terry Crews has been involved. Troy Baker, who's voiced some of like our favorite Video game characters that you probably know: Troy Baker's voice, Matt Mercer, been over uh, has been McCree in Overwatch, is a million anime characters. Um, all these different people that we know and love um, are playing this game. All these like it's just blowing up as a thing. I saw something the other day where um, it was like a parent talk or a teacher talking to a kid at the school, and they're like, "Oh, what are you into right now? Like you play Fortnite? Like oh no, Fortnite's out." Like me and my friends just discovered this thing, Dungeons and Dragons. Have you ever heard of it? <laughs> so it's like in the middle of a renaissance, and that's why I think it's cool to talk about it too. Um, but yeah, like I also have just wanted an excuse to like dive into some of the comic books because it's fun. <laughs> no, that's uh, I'm glad you chose that. That I mean, that took me by surprise, and uh, I'm really looking forward to what you have to read. Uh, all right, let us get into our readings. I will, uh, if you don't mind, I'll start this one off. Uh, I think I let you start last week. You did. I did. I gave you permission. Uh, <laughs> and actually, do you have yours ready? Because mine's taking a little while to load. I do have mine ready. <laughs> All right, you start us off. <laughs> um, I went with some newer Dungeons and Dragons books. There's some from like the early '90s that uh, DC Comics produced um, and stuff. But I just 
I, I kind of like just liked these comics more. So I'm going to go with um, from 2016. This is Dungeons and Dragons Shadows of the Vampire number five. Um, and this is IDW produced both these comics. Um, and this one just starts off right away with this vampire standing in the middle of like a city. Um, and he's trying to take a locket back from these adventurers. And it just immediately goes into like an all out brawl. Like the, like an arrow gets shot at him. He chops it out. He knocks down a, one of the sword fighters. Um, the ranger minx charges at him and he takes them all three of them out at once. And then it's just like all of a sudden the wizard shoots a magic missile at him. It's just fighting like all out battle. Um, and they're going back and forth. He casts, like, an, as a Dungeons & Dragon nerd, I, like, recognize what's happening. Like, the vampire casts magic, um, or mirror image, so he has a bunch of copies of himself <laughs> that they're, like, hitting instead of him. Um, and ugh, I love it. <laughs> um, he actually gets snuck up behind from the rogue, and the rogue actually stabs him through the throat. Um, and they just keep going back and forth, and I think he gets his hands on one of the the mages and like slams her to the ground um and then he casts a fireball and takes out like all the heroes and as he does this he gets the locket that he was fighting for and a past version of himself comes out um and stabs him and the main one of the main heroes is dying like tears running down her face um but they're able to get the locket back from him and as they do like he's being banished away and they grab the locket and get teleported and as they look up they all like don't know where they are two of the heroes are hurt and they're just in like this ice land oh it's so cool this is a cool book it is i mean it's fun i mean for for those who've never played dungeons and dragons before i've only played it once you can literally do anything yeah i mean you can literally do anything and that is like very very well done yeah i think that's the best part of it you can legit follow a comic book any comic book story marvel dc uh IDW, whatever, and and it could it, it could very easily translate to yeah. being a Dungeons and Dragons game. That's how that's how great it is. Uh, so I mean, that was fun. Yeah, that was, that was fun. a really good book. Um, I will get to grading this art. It's pretty standard art. I'm gonna give it a, a seven. It's nothing insane and gorgeous, but it's pretty good. Okay. Um, action's a ten. It's just all out action. But the impressive thing, um, and I'll get into that story um it's a pretty solid story i was able to just jump in and know what's going on and understand like and and automatically know like this is the bad guy this is the heel um <laughs> and here's the heroes i'm supposed to be cheering for so i'm actually going to give the story an eight i think it's usually hard to keep someone like in the loop on a fifth or so issue of a story like and i felt like okay i kind of get what's happening here right right um dialogue this was the thing i was going to say i feel like a lot of times in comic books with a lot of action, the dialogue gets a little muddled and lost, and I think they didn't do that. I think they did a really good job at keeping the dialogue flowing with the action, um, which is just so cool. Like, I, I just love that. Like, this villain is, like, monologuing as he's taking out these heroes. Especially, too, I mean, I, I, again, playing D&D. &D. Yeah. That, that was something that took me away, uh, like, blew me away. We played for the – I played for the first time a couple months ago, and, uh, you know, that – like shocked me the, yeah. how much talking was going on. Yeah. All the players were talking as we're doing different things. I'm like, it's a little I don't know about yet, but it's pretty neat, you know how yeah. in, into it everybody got, and it's 
it seems to translate pretty well to a yeah. comic book. So I'm going to give that a, a nine because that's pretty solid. And rereadability, um, this is actually setting up another storyline. And I'm excited, and I actually kind of want to go back and see, like, everything that happened before. So I'm actually going to give the rereadability an 8 as well. Very good. 42 out of 50 uh, for that book. So not too shabby. That was fun. I like the Ravenloft. Like, that's one of my favorite settings. I'm, I'm big in, like, the horror part of Dungeons & Dragons. And, like, Ravenloft is one of the coolest areas. Like, the mist just, like, sweeps you up, and people forget. And it's just so cool. Uh, and Strahd is a really cool character, and I'm pretty sure who that was. that was who that was supposed to be. Um, so it's definitely following like the books from Dungeons and Dragons. Which yeah, it's a good model to really go after and, and get comic book stories out of. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, oh, that was a fun book. I'm really glad you picked that topic. Um, all right, Rom the Space Knight or Rom Space Knight, fabulous first issue. Uh, it's just called Arrival. It's really cool. It's made by Marvel, 1979, and it follows. It it starts off with a. Uh, well, Rom, the space knight, landing on planet Earth, and he's very—he doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know where he's at. Uh, he's a little—he's trying to take in his environment, and uh, instantly he almost gets hit by a car, uh, by a woman driver, and she gets out of the car. She's panicked. She's scared. That you know, obviously, I'd be a little scared too if this giant robot from space uh, was just kind of standing in the middle of a dark highway. But um, so I sympathize. But he. he he does this like giant reddish beam thing, uh, and but it doesn't hurt her. Like it, it's aimed at her. It's hitting her, but it doesn't hurt her at all. She's like, "I'm alive. I'm unharmed. You know, it didn't do anything to me." She's very puzzled. Rom flies in or flies up, travels to the nearest city where he's kind of walking. Uh, he's just kind of walking around the streets. I'm not sure familiar with the exact city. Um, no, it's called Cler- Clareton. Excuse me. It's a small West Virginia city with a population of about 14,000. So he's just walking, and it's in a cool image of a bunch of people walking in front of an old-style movie theater. And, you know, it's The Creature from Space. That's the feature film, ironically. Uh, but, yeah, he's just... Rom's just standing in the middle of the street, uh, sort of minding his own business, sort of not. Everybody's staring at him. He does that red beam thing, and he actually... Uh, he actually... <laughs> ends up shooting lasers at two people, two random people. So everybody thinks he's actually a villain right now. <laughs> um, he just turns two people into dust, like Thanos, Infinity Gauntlet, Snap, dust, just lying on the ground. It's kind of it's kind of funny. That's like, that's from 79. Yeah. That's gorgeous. Isn't it? That's a really, like, that's really good art for that time. I feel like these off-brand, like, non-mainstream, like, characters, they always got a really good art treatment. Yeah, nine times out of ten, uh, when it came to to like, you know, getting their own comic run, uh, so everybody's panicked though. Everybody's panicked in the middle of the street. Like they're like, "What just happened?" The robot's a killer. They're all trying to run away, and uh, the woman that almost hit uh, Rob with her vehicle, uh, she's like, "What, you know, why why did you save me? And why did you kill those two people in cold blood?" And he ends up just grabbing her and flying away. <laughs> uh, the mayor's in a panic. He's he's trying to call like the national guard in, and nobody believes him that a giant robot is attacking his uh, his city. But anyways, uh, they cut back to Ram and this woman uh, who are out in the middle of the woods, and they're actually uh, Ram is starting to speak to her uh, as to why, uh, you know, it's, do, you know, don't fear me. Those people that I neutralized were not humans. 
they are actually Dire Wraiths. That's what the name of them was. And they can take on the form of just about anything in their environment. Uh, so he actually gives a backstory to how he became, uh, you know, a, a robot. He actually used to be a human uh, on a planet called uh, Galador at the peak of prosperity. And they were kind of a, under attack and by these Dire Wraiths. And he chose to enter this program. Uh, kind of like like Mortal Kombat 3, uh, oh, where, yeah. the, where the ninjas be- chose to become robots. It's kind of like that. And uh, so, yeah, he jumps in. He volunteers for this program. He leads the program. There's only a couple other robots that are with him. But, uh, yeah, they, they pretty much just show him eradicating all these, these uh, you know, these dire wraiths. And then he uh, it cuts back to modern time. The 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 cops and all these there's there's actually these these dire uh, wraiths. They're actually disguised as as police officers and important people, and they're actually telling the military and stuff to to you know fire at them to try and get uh, the space knight messed up, uh, out of whack. He's throwing tanks around because he's just trying to defend himself, and uh, he actually destroys those three people that were uh, the dire wraiths that were pointing, uh, and he just flies off again uh but he looks to you know to everybody else to to regular civilians military people he looks like a bad guy because nobody knows what these people uh you know what they are they have no idea uh but that i mean that was his first issue that was his debut issue it's kind of a cool little uh you know angle how it's worked and it's only i'm actually going to read for my next book uh, is going to be the last issue from this run. It only had seventy five issues to it. Uh, that's actually that's actually a decent run. Solid for say. like yeah. a, a like an offshoot comic like that. Yeah. Now that now that you mentioned, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's not too shabby. It's probably about a four, almost five year run. Um, yeah. But yeah, he 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 floats off, and and that's that. Uh, but really, I mean, really cool. I like like it's the story's original. It really is. Uh, obviously, I'm gonna get to the scoring in a little bit, but I'm like, I'm, I'm impressed. I, I, I really like how, uh, he, you know, he came to be. He's not, he's still a human technically, um, but he just became a robot, robot, cybernetic, and he's sent to hunt down these, uh, these dire wraiths. So, um, yeah, let's get into the review portion of it. Artwork, like Greg said, it was really good for 1979, and uh, it's st- there's some stuff, some details that really hold up well today uh some cool visuals and very detailed good coloring too i'm uh, not gonna lie i'm gonna give the artwork a nine uh, the cover was really neat too action there was lots of action in this one uh you know him blasting the 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 dire wraiths in the middle of the city to fighting off the military at the end uh it was just it was a cool book. You get to see really his his abilities, these abilities that were only like lightly illustrated in the action figure, but they sort of bring it to life in comic book form. Yeah. Um, so that was really neat. So I'm gonna give the action. I'm gonna give it an eight. Story. It's a cool story. It really is. It literally gave life to this toy. Uh, again, backstory. Uh, you know, kind of like uh, we did the stretch arms. I did the stretch Armstrong book last week. And, you know, it gave a little bit of life, even though it was a different variation of Stretch Armstrong. Uh, this one was, it followed 
re- I mean, it was it was the toy. It, it it followed the toy to a T, but it gave it a little extra meaning. I think it was very very well done. Uh, and the overall story, I think, is really cool. So I'm going to give the story a seven. Dialogue, dialogue, very good dialogue. Dialogue helped push the story. Obviously, the backstory um, to Rom was pretty much mostly dialogue. Yeah. Some visuals, but it was a lot of narration and stuff like that. The dialogue was really good. I'm going to give the dialogue a eight. And for rereadability, it's a cool first issue. I, I'm actually curious as to how much it would be, uh, how much it's worth, how much you know it would cost to find something like this in a decent condition. Uh, not that I'd go for it, but uh, I mean, it's just it is. I mean, it is a really cool story. I'm going to give the rereadability an eight. So 40 out of 50 for Rom Noise Space Knight number one from 1979. All right. Real quick, before uh, Greg gets to his book, we're going to take a quick commercial break to plug our sponsor. Bat Nipples? Bat Nipples. (laughs) (laughs) You know, between my day job, being a husband, planning, recording, editing, at least six podcast episodes a week, my days get very, very hectic very, very quickly. That's why I like to start every morning at Sugar Street Cafe, 6926 Buffalo Avenue in Niagara Falls, New York. Between their various coffee products, breakfast sandwiches, baked goods, and so much more, they are the best way to start your morning. Check them out Tuesdays through Saturday mornings. Also, follow them on Instagram. And All right, we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much to Sugar Street Cafe for sponsoring our show. Uh, Very thankful for them. Please, if you live in the area, go check them out. Support them. Buy some stuff. Buy breakfast some sandwiches. Breakfast sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, the, you had your first one a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah, and a lemon scone. Oh, boy. Oh. So good. <laughs> Make sure you go check them out. Please and thank you. All right. Greg. My other up, book. My friend. I yes. went backwards in time. So this <laughs> is 2010. And this is uh, another IDW run. This is issue two, 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 uh, 11. Um, and it's just simply titled Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and it starts with, there's a blind mage um, that points out that this team that is there, this group of adventurers, he like recognizes one of their voices um, and that he's trying to get revenge on um, the, a person like one of these people. Um, but they actually, through some quick thinking, convince him that... Um, that's it's not who he thinks he is, and they all start talking and like masking their voice a little bit, and like figure like con- confusing him, um, and it's so Dungeons and Dragons like right off the bat, because um, the elf realizes he can't talk, because the guy will find like find him and point out who he is. So he actually like finds like a blackboard, and starts writing like get him into the next room like blah blah blah, um, and so the tiefling, like tricks him and lures him away while the elf the um paladin and the dwarf uh, and the rogue pretty solid adventuring party go off um into the other room to find this uh this map that they're looking for this chart and it in pretty solid dungeons and dragons fashion everybody charges through before the rogue has time to check for traps uh and they get hit by the traps <laughs> um, Meanwhile, the tiefling is, like, talking to the mage, um, and she's actually looks like she's waiting to, like, possibly kill him if he says something wrong. Um, and 
he says something about a tief another tiefling that's uncommon and, and it piques her interest a little bit. Ooh. Uh, and it comes back and this team comes across this giant golem. And he's really cool. It's like a um a skull with two large horns and it's it's almost ghost rider-ish. It's not like connected to the body and there's flames coming out of this like giant black armor, but it's huge. Um and they get into like a big fight with it and they're all trying to hit it and like dodging out of the way of it. Um but it's weird because it's it's Dorvin made, I believe. Um, but it actually speaks Elven, which is kind of odd. Like, it's not normal. Um, and it goes back to Declan the Rakshasa, who allowed them in this building. Um, and he was the kind of the, the person that the mage was working for. Um, and he realizes there's these thieves in the building. He's like, well, we haven't spotted any thieves. And then it clicks like, oh, shoot, I just let them into the, the catacombs to steal from me. <laughs> um so he, like, gathers everybody together, and he's like, we need to go get them now. They end up taking down the golem um, and getting out of the room right before Declan gets in there. And Rakshasas are awesome. They're like these tiger people, but their hands are backwards, hmm. so their thumbs face outwards rather than inwards, and it's really weird. Oh. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, and so, so they're like, well, they must have already ran away. Like, we need to go find them. So they come into the room, and um, the tiefling is there with the mage. Um, and he's like, where are they? What's going on? And all of them are in the corner pretending to sleep. Like, oh, they never left, sir. And they check them, and they're like, okay, the chart's nowhere to be seen. It must not have been them at all. <laughs> like, this is Dungeons & Dragons, like, perfectly, to a T. This is what it is when it plays. It's just goofiness. Um. But they continue to follow them, and they're leading them to to where they th the, they are telling them the thieves actually are. Um, and as they do, they tell them, "Well, you guys should go first because the thieves will recognize us and get spooked." So they go in, and these like tree people like wrap them up and like take all the the villains like up into the trees. Um, tree people. Did it, wasn't Mullen like a tree elf or something like that? Wasn't he like he, a tree-like character? A, he could he talk to trees. He was a druid tiefling, yeah. Okay, all right. These are like straight-up tree people. They're like, well, oh, it rotated. Oh, you broke it. <laughs> I didn't do nothing. I'll find it. <laughs> They're like really cool. They're like actually like made out of like tree roots. Oh, wow. And they like come down and like wrap all these people up. Um, and it, it cuts back to them dragging this golem along and delivering the chart to um, who – the person who charged them. Um, and they kind of like get the answers they're looking for, um, and they go back home, as all good adventure groups do, to a tavern. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was far away from my mouth. <laughs> I hear it in my own ears. Um, but they go back home to a tavern and begin drinking and talking. Um, but you get a, a cutback, and the tiefling actually has sold out one of the people in her group um to that blind mage in order to get information on that other tiefling and that's where it kind of ends is them all talking um and her contemplating this and them drinking thinking everything's okay and it's a good book I, I i really like this this is like very dungeons and dragons um the art for this one's a little actually i really like the art for this one it's even a little more on par and almost gives me like an animated cartoon vibe. What year was this from? This is 2010. Okay, so not too 
too far back in time no. for the first one, but um, I yeah I I do like that art very much. So yeah, so I'm actually gonna give the art on this one a nine. Okay. Um, action again, it's a nine on the action. It's it's pretty solid. It, it's um, it's another book where I feel like it it really did a good job at keeping it moving and having action and dialogue like very balanced like both books have been very balanced in that um story i i do i am missing some bits of the story now it's an 11th issue which makes sense um so i'm gonna give it a seven it's not as easy to jump into as last one but i still understand what's going on okay what was the action again i'm sorry the action was also a nine. It was also a nine. Nine, nine, okay. seven. Sweet. Thank you. Um, dialogue. Solid dialogue. Every character had this a unique voice, and I could picture them all talking in different ways. Um, they even like wrote their voices in different, in different like texts and and can like like a spacing of the letters to like show that there was a different delivery for every person. So I'm actually gonna give the dialogue an eight. All right. Very good. And rereadability. This is another book I would I would pick up and and figure out what's going on and follow it deeper. So I'm gonna give it um, an eight on the rereadability. Very good. Forty one out of fifty. Nice for that book. So a nice solid read there. All right. And our last book of today's episode is uh as I said the last uh, issue of this, Rom number seventy five of this. It's not even just called Rom Spaceman anymore. It's just Rom. Uh, and the title is After 200 Years Paradise. So you kind of find out that he's been a robot for 200 years. Uh, it starts off, it, it, they acknowledge, yeah, this is this is the end of the saga. This is it. And it starts off with Rom face-to-face with a, another robot, another space knight called Dominor. Uh, and he wants, he basically what Dominor wants is his... Uh, they mentioned it later on. It, it's it's an ability. It's some kind of weapon that uh, Rom has. Uh, so they fight. It is legit like 13 pages, maybe more, of Rock'em Sock'em robot action. <laughs> I'm just going back and forth. There is so much fighting and shooting and viol- robot on robot violence. It is wonderful. Uh, so, I mean, I can already tell you the action is going to get a 10. But anyways, it shows the, the the woman that was actually in the first issue. They apparently have uh, a thing going on right now, and she is on a uh, oh, what was the planet? A Galadorian uh, spaceship uh, of some sort, and she comes across a a body. Uh, a, it's she's like, oh no, is it? Can't be. It's Rom, um, but the other Rom is actually fight still fighting this robot. Uh, in another location, and they're going back and forth, back and forth. Uh, Rom actually beats up Dominor pretty good, has him on the ropes. Dominor comes back. He's he's gonna you know just it's really up and down. It's like a pro wrestling match. It's a it's a roller coaster as far as who's in the uh, who's in control. Uh, Dominor, okay, it's the neutralizer. That's that that red blast. That oh, okay. he that he had. That's what Dominor wants. He's uh, he's a more of a modern space knight, uh, and yeah, he f- Rom finally defeats him, and uh, the, his girlfriend, uh, his kind of girlfriend, she comes back and she's it's like I found a I found a crypt buried in this uh, below Galador, um, you know, this Galadorian ship, and it turns out to be. 
your body, your actual body. And she's crying. He's crying robot tears. I don't know how that works. But, um, it's motor oil. It's motor oil. <laughs> but, yeah, they uh, they actually re- end up restoring his humanity. Oh, that's cool. It's it's really neat. Uh, I like how it is. And look at he's like this. He's got this long hair and stuff, and like long blue hair. And and they they pretty much fall in love. And that's the end of like Rom as a space knight. All the other space knights that came to witness this this fight between Dominor and Rom, uh, they fly off and go back home. And um, you know, human Rom is here on Earth to well here on Earth to really stay. And lead a normal life. He did his duty, and that is that. And that's really that's how it ends. I think it's a really cool ending too for this book. Um, yeah, I, I mean, reading the first one to this one, I think it's, and like I said, there's probably about four to five years of of stories in there uh, between annual issues and and so much more. Uh, it's a really cool start to finish story that that ends with. Uh, you know, him regaining his humanity, which I think is a really neat thing. He did his duty, and uh, now he gets to lead a normal life for once after 200 years in robot service. So let's get into the grading portion, artwork. Uh, I like the artwork for the first one. This one, uh, actually, it. Uh, I'm not going to say it's better. It might be on par, maybe even a little bit less than that. There was a noticeable difference in some of the artwork. Uh, it doesn't stand out as much to no, me as the other one did. Not nearly as much. I mean, there's some cool like, like the robots are kind of boring. Yeah, looking, they're all they like have a ton of one colors, not detail. They're just these boxy robot they things. They straight up look like the DC Comics metal yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, so that's something to go. I'm gonna give a. I'm gonna give the artwork a six on this one. Uh, action. I already said it's going to be a 10. It was a lot of fighting back and forth and really cool robot fighting too. Pot, different abilities, uh, hand-to-hand combat, it's so much more. It was it was really well done. Story was a 10. I love the way it ended. That was the happiest of endings, I guess, uh, as you can really get in a comic book storyline. And for them to end it on a high note, uh, you know, sometimes, see, sometimes now, like with comic books, they just come to an abrupt end. You don't yeah. get a payoff to the story. This one, they're like, well, I don't know what the situation was. I don't know if the sales were getting low, and they're like, okay, we're going to give this a proper ending for the readers, or if they had it planned all along. Um, but it was, I mean, it was a great ending. It's It was definitely a 10 of my book. Uh, dialogue. Dialogue. Another, I mean, limited. I mean, it wasn't as much as the first one, but there was plenty going on while the action was happening. Um... So I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the dialogue a I'm gonna give it a seven I'm gonna give it a seven in this one uh, and rereadability great I mean it was a great book I, I I really enjoyed it I'm glad I took a chance on it uh, I'm glad that I couldn't find a Beyblade book I was really thrilled uh, finding this one so I'm gonna give the rereadability a I'm gonna give it an eight making it a forty one out of fifty. <laughs> Kyle, turn it up, man. I love it. Uh, so very good. That does it for this week's episode. Yeah. We, uh, we're we not 100% sure yet. We might have a bonus episode for you. Yeah. Well, we'll week. have it either way. But yes, yes, you are right. We will have it either way. It'll um, just be either super special with a bunch of other people or just us being awesome. Either way, it works <laughs> out for us, but... 
without a doubt it does. Uh, but that is it. That is it for the panel discussion this week, everybody. We appreciate your support very, very much. And, uh, yeah. Oh, wait, is there any news before we go? Uh, no, I know the Infinity uh, or the Crisis on Infinite Earths, Infinite Crisis like storyline just wrapped. I actually haven't had a chance to watch it. I've seen some spoilers, and it seems like they went crazy for Did it. Did they? Okay. Um, and then there's been rumors of Magneto casting. <gasps> so what? That's a thing. Uh, and it's either gonna be they're he's gonna pop up, or they they might do a solo villain movie with the success of some of the other. Um, solo villain movies we've I seen. So. would not hate that at no, all. not at all. Would It'd be a nice that. way to introduce the X-Men, I think. Um, I think so, too. I've read a bunch of stuff for Black Panther. Yep. Savage Lands. Um, Savage Land was? Yeah, Savage. I, I read it. It was a really cool theory. Um, and I can't remember. You know, we talked now. about like, the about Namor, it. Doctor Doom uh, lineup as yeah. a possibility. Somebody shared an article. I can't remember one of my Facebook friends. Uh, they shared an article. It was a. It was a. It was just a, a real wild theory. Uh, and I'm like, this could be possible. I'm not sure how much it is, but it definitely could be possible. Okay. Um. So yeah, we'll have to uh, keep. We'll have to get the rumor mill going going into 2020. Yeah. So, um. Yeah. So we've got one more. This was our last toy episode. Yes. We will be doing. Um, Christmas comics next week, and then January is our our new beginnings or point of origin um, comics. So Abs- that'll be fun. Absolutely, I'm excited to explore some uh, some various origin stories. Maybe some uh, characters you're familiar with, some you may not be. But regardless, always a good time here at the panel discussion. And we thank you so much for your support. We will talk to you again either sometime well sometime this week and again next week, right here on the BICBP Radio Network. <laughs>